everywhere I went. Because I'd talk to anybody and everybody. You know, I told her the Captain Hook joke and all the jokes that I And Bill said, wow, I'd like to make a trade like that. <laughs> oh, oh. Let's pray. We need to pray after that. i got to put this down. <laughs> I am. I, said, I am. Because I know y'all thinking, that guy's crazy. Let's pray. Father, we just pray and lift up our president and those in authority over us. We just thank you that you're doing a work in this nation. You're doing a work in our government. You're doing a work around the world, things that we're hearing about. Uh, um, how many people it was in Bangladesh that just got saved, filled with the Holy Spirit? Thousands, thousands. I don't know. I read it the other day. It was on my phone. Let me get it. Oh, it's unbelievable, the reports that we're getting from around the world, people. It just It's unbelievable. Listen to this. 7,000 people in Bangladesh received the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. 75 blind people received sight. 100 deaf people received hearing. 53 tumors disappeared and numerous other miracles. This, this happened in Bangladesh. They were holding a, a million-soul uh, revival in Bangladesh. Now, I want to tell you, we, we in America just uh, we, we pay attention to impeachments. And other things that are going on in the world. But there, there are things happening around the world spiritually that God is still on the move. And revival is sweeping around the world. It's not just happening there. It's coming here too. Amen. We just believe it. And Father, in the name of Jesus, we declare revival here in America. Not just in the churches, but in our government as well, Father. We just pray for the Spirit of God to just flood the political realm in this nation. In Jesus' name, free us, Lord. Free this nation from the grips of, the, of Satan and all his minions. In Jesus' name, amen. Woo! I got excited about that. I get excited about the Lord and what he's doing. Amen. O two O two two O two O. That's cool, isn't it? So what's he talking about? That's today's date. That's today's date. It's a what? What they call that? Palandrum of Since today's Super Bowl 
Sunday. We're going to talk about football. Is that okay with everybody? Everybody jumped up and they're so happy. Yeah. No, I'm really talking about the spiritual side. I'm going to show you some spiritual insights that come out of the game of football. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You didn't believe it, but it is. Football is a game uh, or a sport, whatever you want to call it, that's loaded with spiritual applications. And I believe uh, you'll see that I'm not just crazy to teach on football because that's what y'all are thinking right now. Uh, and I've got 20 minutes to do it, and I'll do it. So I'm going to show you some very profound spiritual aspects that we can draw out of the game of football. I played football. Anybody else in here play football in, in school? Anybody play in college? No. Oh, you did? Wow. Cool. I was a quarterback. Every time that you know, that every time I got the ball, they tackled me. But you know what? Ronnie Dirks. Ronnie Dirks was a halfback. He's not here today. But Ronnie Dirks was a halfback, huh? What? Tailback. That's right. He was a tailback. Every time he'd get ready to run out there on the football field, the coach said, "Ronnie, get your tailback on the bench." Thank you, son. <laughs> the halfback, they wouldn't get it. So how many women, how many women in here know how many players are on the field from one team at a time? Any women know? Eleven. Eleven. How many men? <laughs> Amen. The first thing you need to know about football is it's a team sport. It's a team sport. You can have a super, super, uh, what do you call them? No. <laughs> what do they call a gifted player? Very talented. Yeah, but they call it superstar. I'm trying to think of superstar. I'm not Joe, I'm not Joe Biden, but it's some stuff going on. I don't <laughs> it takes me a while to think about it. I don't know. I've got to take some pills from my medulla back here or something. I do have the mind of Christ. This is Sunday? Yeah, okay. <laughs> now, so a team could have some great players and some great individual players, and they could not, and they, and they wouldn't be a success on the football field if they didn't have 11 players on defense and offense. They both, there's 11 on defense too, in case some of y'all don't know. There's 11 offensive players and 11 defensive players at a time. And when I was in high school, I had to play on both sides. I had to play offense and I had to play defense. So I was a quarterback, so I would just, when we, when it'd be fourth down and we punted or whatever, I was on this side in the middle, and when it was, I was on defense, I was on that side in the middle. I was a middle linebacker. I was the littlest middle linebacker anybody ever saw. So when they came running at me, they just ran flat over me. I really, really did. Ran flat over me. Uh, remember those days. But uh, these two teams that are in the Super Bowl, the Chiefs and the 49ers, uh, they, they, they realize that uh, it, takes team, it takes teamwork throughout the whole season to get to the Super Bowl. It's not easy to get to the national world championship. It's not easy to get there. We, we went to, in basketball, when I was in high school, I just got to brag about all the things we did. 
When I was in basketball uh, in high school, 1971, don't try to count that, but we went to the state tournament in basketball. Top four teams in the state were there. Luling was one of them. I was so proud. I was, I was polishing that bench up. <laughs> Are we videoing this? <laughs> that is in the back. Okay, so as a church, we're a team too. We're a team. I don't know if you see your play, your, your, uh, yourself as being a team player in this church. But you are. If you, if you call Maranatha your home church, then you're a team player. And we want you on the team. Yeah. We want you to participate. We want you to be a part. When you commit to a church, you're in a sense joining a team of believers in Christ. See there? We're getting there. See, the spiritual coming in. When, and, and so Jesus began building a team when he was recruiting his disciples. And that team is still growing today. 2,000 years later, look at the church now. Look at the team that Jesus began. It's still it's huge. How many billions are in the church, the Christian church? Does anybody know that figure? It's something like 2 billion, I think. And they call themselves Christians in the world. So there's still a lot of Christians, there's still a lot of people out there that aren't Christians yet. That's still yet to be determined. We're going to get them on the team. Amen? We're going to recruit so, but, but we're called the church. Now, to actually join God's team, you've got to surrender your will to God's and accept His will for your life. Accept His will for your life. That's basically what salvation is. You surrendering your life, your will, your plans and purposes for God's. And then God will reveal to you what He's called you to do. Amen? So what if players who, who are drafted by the NFL teams decided that uh, when they joined the team that they would run the plays the way they wanted to run the plays and not the way the coach wanted to run the plays? Guess what? They wouldn't be around long. Amen? They would fail. They would be fired or traded, and no team would want them. Amen? And it's like that in Christianity. It's like that in Christianity, too. When we are born again, we surrender to God's will, and then we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. We don't make the rules on how we're going to live. Uh-oh. Stepped on some toes now. We don't make the rules. God makes them. Here's the rule book. I know it's little, but it's powerful. It's powerful. This is the rule book that we play by. Amen. Now, it's sad today that we have many churches who say this is the way to run a church service, and if you don't do it their way, then you're wrong. Then your church is wrong. There's a lot of people like that. You know, when Jesus came back, honestly, when Jesus came back and he died for us, he didn't come to create an institution called the church and for all of us to be in that one institution, he came to restore relationship to the Father. That's, that's basically all he did. I mean, that's what he did. And all that was is involved in a lot of benefits in, in that, too. But what I'm saying is, the church is not what it's about. It's about your faith and your relationship with God. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to restore that. And in the process of that, he... 
I mean, people started churches a long time ago back in. They had home churches back in, in the book of Acts. And people met in homes and they enjoyed, they went there and they enjoyed meals together. They, they had communion together. And basically what we do today is gather together uh, to build each other up, to have fellowship. It's all part of fellowship. And that's what the church is. And, um, and, and we learn and we grow. And, and we, we're, we're educated and we grow in the spirit. We mature. And that's what the church is about. That, and it doesn't, it doesn't matter if it's an Episcopal church or if it's a Catholic church or a, or a Baptist church or a Presbyterian or whatever. Just whatever you want to be. <laughs> Amen. It doesn't matter. God, every, listen, the Holy Spirit will go to every church that will allow it. Yeah, yeah. So it's not about denominations and all that or non-denominations. It's about relationship. And for us to gather, when we gather together like we're gathering here today, we're, it's, it's not about the building or the Maranatha, you know, church is so great. And it's about the people. You're the, you're the church. And always remember that, that you're the church. Amen. Now, we say, listen, I remember saying this one time and a guy got on me about it. But that's the truth. It, it was the truth. We, I told him one day, I said, we got, we got five people saved last Sunday. He said, you didn't get nobody saved. You know, and I said, well, yeah, we did. You know, and the truth is, we did. Now, it wasn't me, but it was Jesus in me that prayed, and I did what Jesus said to do, and did what the Holy Spirit led me to do, and we prayed for people, and then they got, they got saved. So, yes, it is. It's every one of us. It's all of us. We're all on a team, and we're all doing the work of Christ. So we do. People get healed because of us. Because of the Word of God in us as we pray. Amen. So, when we get to heaven, we'll see that the Baptists are over there and the Methodists are over there. And no, no. No. We're all going to be one. We're all going to be together. Don't you want that to be the same way in the government? Can we get along? Can we just get along and let's govern? And let's do what's best for the country. Can somebody say hallelujah? One nation, under God, indivisible. Amen. Amen. But, but when you get to heaven, we're all going to be the same. Yeah. We're not going to have different churches up there. It's only going to be one. Amen. Amen. So, but the real truth is there's no other way to get there than through Jesus Christ. I said that earlier today. But uh, if Christianity is football, and you must be a football player to get to heaven, there won't be any soccer players in heaven. Yeah, because you've got to be a football player to get to heaven, if Christianity is football. Y'all, y'all understand my analogy there. Is that an analogy? There won't be any basketball players in heaven or baseball players. You must be a football player to get to heaven if Christianity is football. Figure this out. Well, some of you, some of you girls are going. Huh? What's he saying, honey? God makes the rules. We don't. God makes the rules. We don't. Man wants to say there are many ways to God, but God Himself says, "Uh, uh-uh. uh, uh, uh." It's spelled U H U H. Uh, uh. My granddaughter always said, "Mmm." 
I said, how do you spell that? I can't put that on Facebook. How do you spell that? Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. In John 14, 6. Oh, I'll finally get to a scripture. I am the way. Jesus said, I am the way. He said it himself. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. How clear is that? God the Father is like the coach, and he's got a game plan. And the playbook is called the Bible. In a real game of football, sometimes the quarterback can make an audible. Y'all know what an audible is, ladies? That's not your husband complaining. An audible is if if the quarterback goes up to the line, and John Elway was the best. Him or, no, what's the other guy? Peyton. Peyton Manning was awesome too. Omaha! You remember hearing him say Omaha? He said it all the time. Every time you watch the game, you hear it. Omaha. Those guys stand on side. Y'all ever seen those guys on the sideline with these big satellite dishes? Have y'all ever watched the game? But there's guys, there's guys on the sidelines. They walk, they go up and down the field with these big satellite dishes. Those are huge ears. And they're listening to the players. And you can hear the quarterback saying, 24 green Omaha. And those words mean a play. It's a play. Or they're, they're announcing the kind of defense that the defense has. The quarterback is making all the calls there. But the coach sometimes he'll send in a play and an audible is if, if John Elway goes up to the line, he's, he's retired now. But, and he sees the defense has changed. It's not the same as what the, this play's not going to work with that defense. So he'll call an audible. He'll call another play and he'll say it out loud to the player. And the players on his team better know the play. They should know the play. Luling, High school, we'd have never done that. We didn't even do second counts on the hut hut because they would never do it. They'd always jump off sides. <laughs> you could only do the same hut every time. <laughs> because if you tried to do the second, we're going to go on the second count, guys. Okay. But they never did. It never worked. I said, Coach, we're not ever going to do that. We're not, I'm sorry. It doesn't work. So, so, y'all know what an audible is now. So what this means is the coachman called a play and all that. Sometimes it works, sometimes not. God gives us the same liberty in our Christian walk. But the difference is if we allow the Holy Spirit to be our quarterback. Somebody say amen. Amen. Boy, you're really preaching good, Pastor. If you allow the Holy Spirit to be the quarterback in your life, you'll always make the right calls. Amen. If you're sensitive. Amen. So let's talk about the gear that the football players wear. Most, most football fans could tell you. They can tell which, uh, which, which play, uh, team is there by the helmets. You know, the helmets have got a uh, mascot emblem or some kind of thing on, their, on the helmet. You can tell what team they are by their helmet. And the world identifies a team by its name or its, or its, uni- or its uniform. The, uh, the b- football players. So, if you wear the uniform, you represent the team. Oh, no, I know where he's going now. (laughs) When you conduct yourself with excellence, the team looks good. Don't go there, Pastor. (laughs) When you fail, it can be detrimental to the whole team. So, when Jim Baker 
And Jimmy Swagger fail, it was detrimental to the body of Christ. I mean, ministries, uh, Andrew Womack even, even shared on one of his programs a while back that even many, large ministries around the world, like his ministry even, people just quit giving. When they saw Jim Baker and, and Jimmy Swagger, they fell back in the 80s or early 90s. I don't remember when it was. But it caused everybody to just stop giving to anybody because they didn't trust anybody anymore. Amen? So, so uh, it really had nothing to do with Andrew's ministry, but people, it, it hurt the whole body of Christ. When, when, when Christians fall and fail and fall into sin, it hurts the whole body of Christ. So when we become Christians, we're born again. We don't walk in perfection. But others will be observing how we conduct ourselves regardless. Yeah. Maggie, you work at Walmart. The second week in a row I've said that. <laughs> but, but and, and those people that your coworkers and customers know that you're a Christian... Obviously, you got that beautiful smile on your face at Walmart. And so they're, they're observing you, whether you realize it or not. And when you don't go put that basket back, and they know, I thought she was a Christian. Christians always put their baskets back. Am I right? I better get a lot of amens out of here. So I'm going I'm to put a camera up at H-E-B. And I'm going to make Kim sit there and watch it all day. Tell me who didn't, who didn't do it. Oh, and even that, yeah. I went, I, oh, I've got to tell you mine. I don't want to brag about me one time. There was a lady that it was raining. And she, she went and put her uh, groceries in her car. And she put it. She brought it all the way back to the back, uh, rack and put it up. And I went, "I'm, I'm so proud of you." Did you really? Yeah. She looked at me like, "I'm weird. I know I'm weird." Yeah. I said, "Boy, that's great. You didn't have to do that, but you did." <laughs> okay. I gotta hurry. But the, but the Super Bowl doesn't start till 5.30, something like that. So we're good. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 6. Did I read that? Yeah, I read that. <laughs> let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. Man, I lost that place. Ephesians chapter, what, chapter 6. Let's just read up there. You got it right there? Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Amen. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Also known as defense. defense. Or I was going to say something else politically, but I won't. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, that's the belt, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, 
and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all. Everybody say above all. (laughs) Every time I teach that, I tell everybody to say above all. Above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench. Doesn't say taking the shield of fear. It says taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. How many of them? All of them. I'm going to pick up my shield of faith, buddy. When the coronavirus is running around in the air somewhere, I'm going to keep my shield of faith up. Yeah. Wash your hands. Amen. Okay. (laughs) Don't stick your fingers in your nose or your mouth or both or ears. I don't know. But don't do that. Or eyes. Don't do that. Wash your hands. When you go out in public, come home, wash your hands. And don't touch yourself until you get home. Please. <laughs> the belt of truth. First one. First one. The belt of truth. What does the belt do for us? Man, praise God. It keeps our pants on. <laughs> Amen. You can't play football with your pants down around your ankles. You ain't going very far. So in the same way, the truth of God's word keeps us from being intellectually or spiritually naked. Yeah. Without truth, we can't be effective against our opponent. And who's our opponent? Stupid devil. Yeah. The Lord says in Hosea 4, 6, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, for lack of truth. So, number two, the breastplate of righteousness. In football, the shoulder pads cover... Man, I started to call you, Griselle. Y'all got shoulder pads and helmets and all that at your house? Do you? I could have called... I started by the last night. I said, I'm going to call to see if she... Could bring all that stuff for me, and I, I could have put it on. Or brought her son to put it on. That would have been. So the, the shoulder pads cover and protect some of the vital organs. The breastplate covers even more. A, a football player without shoulder pads wouldn't last very long in a game before he's injured. You know, it's really true. Righteousness protects us from being seriously harmed by the enemy. So the breastplate of righteousness. Whose righteousness is it? It's God's righteousness. Amen? Number three, shoes of readiness of the gospel. In the New Testament time, soldiers, let me tell you this. I don't know if y'all knew this. Here's some information you ain't never going to forget. The, the, in the New Testament, soldiers wore big brass boots to protect them while marching into battle. Often the enemy, just like the devil, but he's evil. He's evil. It, they, the enemy would put short sticks in holes kind of like landmines today, and the soldiers would step on them. And man, you you drive a stake through your foot. You're just disabled. You're not going to be able to do anything. So they wore these big brass boots that the the soldiers would. They put the armor on, man. And uh, yeah, I bet it was heavy. They would probably... But anyway, and these brass shoes protected them so they, they could continue advancing toward the enemy. Amen? What did did, did, uh, David do? When Goliath walked out there, oh, no. Oh, no, he didn't. He ran to him. He ran to him because he knew who his God was. And, man, we were right there at that field in in Israel. And and Scott Stripling told us the whole story about how it happened. And so amazing. But I want to tell you something. David, he'd been out there. He'd been out there killing uh, lions and mountain mountain lions and those things with with his thing. They're slingshots. 
Don't he kill them animals? I'm going to kill that guy too. Who do you think you are, you uncircumcised Philistine? And he went. He ran towards him. And big Goliath saying, what in the world is this little Pete Squeak doing? He put one right there. He put a rock right there. He went down and then he, he showed everybody what it means to get, to, to get ahead in life. <laughs> he cut it off. He cut Goliath's head off with Goliath's own sword. And then he picked that head up. And the armies got behind him then. They come up. Oh, let's go take them now. We got him. Amen. So football players wear shoes with cleats so they don't slip on the turf. And then they can stand and block and stay on their feet. Uh, when a player's on the ground, he's not much good to the team. So by planting our feet firmly on the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are able to stay upright and not slip, stumble, or fall. Amen. Solid foundation of the gospel. The helmet of salvation, number four. The helmet of salvation. Ask someone. Ask someone. Would you play football without a helmet? My father, I saw pictures of them when they played back in the 40s. They didn't have a bar. They just had a pad around their head. That's right. No wonder they got brain damage later. I, mean, I, I knew my daddy didn't know what's going on. No, no, I didn't. But you could get seriously hurt today if you played football without a helmet. It would just be you, be crazy. So in the same way in Christianity, without salvation, the initial commitment to Christ, you can't even really be a part of the team. And remember how we said earlier that some football fans can call, uh, can tell whose team it is just by looking at the helmet. Seeing what emblems on there. The helmet not only protects our life, it tells the world whose team we're on. Salvation, the helmet of salvation. First step. The first step in, into the kingdom of God, into Christianity, is salvation. Amen. Now, there are two more pieces of the uniform that Christians get that football players don't have. And that's number five, the shield of faith. The shield of faith is referred to as being the most important piece of armor. And um, that's why that verse 16 says, above all, above all, this defensive gear protects us from the attacks of the enemy, the fiery arrows of temptation that the enemy aims at our hearts, our trust in God to guard us against the destructive forces of this world we live in. Amen. So number six is the sword of the spirit. This is our all-powerful offensive weapon that's used to divide good from evil. It's the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit. Amen? Every time the enemy tempts us, we use the sword of the Spirit. Bring it back to the Word. To word. What did Jesus say when the devil came and tempted him in the, in the wilderness? It is written. It is written. It is written. And finally the devil flee, fleed. <laughs> Fled. Yeah. The Holy Spirit teaches us the Word and gives us gifts to, to help us to use the Word to walk in victory every time, all the time. Amen. So let me ask you Christians here today. Are you suited up for the game of life? Get your gear on. And when you get the uniform on, don't forget who you represent. Or is it whom you represent? Whom? Whom? Yeah. Whom you represent. Don't forget whom you represent. 
You got a Maranatha bumper sticker on your car? Anybody want a bumper sticker? We got some more. But if you put that bumper sticker on your car, don't forget whom you represent. <laughs> Listen here. Here's a story about the 12th man. Anybody know the 12th man at A&M? Here's the story I want to read it to you. On January 2nd, 1922, the underdog Aggies of Texas A&M took to the field against Mighty Center College, the number one team in the country at that time. Back then, the small agricultural school didn't have an abundance of players on the team. So as the hard-fought gridiron battle wore on, the Aggies dug deeply into their limited reserves. Sensing the possibility of running out of players, Coach Dana Bible remembered a squadman who was not suited up for this particular game. His name was E. King Gill, and he was up in the press box helping identify players for reporters. Gill had played football in the past, but was now only playing basketball. Coach Bible sent for Gill. Gill suited up in in an Aggies uniform and stood ready throughout the rest of the game. When the game finally ended, A&M had upset Center College by a score of, where was the whoop? Come on. (laughs) By a score of 22 to 14 on the sidelines, E. King Gill was the only man left standing. Gill was later quoted as saying, I wish I could say that I went in and ran for the winning touchdown, but I did not. I simply stood by in case my team needed me. Gill's enthusiasm and willingness to serve inspired a movement that lasts to this day. At all Texas A&M football games, the entire, the entire student body stands by as the 12th man, symbolizing their spirit and devotion. As a Christian, Jesus Christ is our 12th man. The Bible says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. That's Revelation 3.20. So God has granted all of us a free will. We can choose to live our lives without him, trying to make it through under our own power. Yet like that willing athlete on the sidelines, he awaits our call. Many people go through their entire lives trying to make decisions on their own. And sure, we will call ourselves believers, but like the Aggies, we leave our 12th man on the sideline. Like a life jacket on a boat, it may, it may give us comfort to know that, it, that he is there, but we never really ask him into the game. So what we fail to realize is that Jesus Christ is our star player. He makes the difference in every play. Once we start asking him to participate in our daily lives, even in the things that are small or unimportant, we will find victory. Jesus will not force himself upon you. You want something but don't get it. You don't have you don't have because you you do not ask God. If you truly want God to bless your life, You must ask if you really want Jesus Christ to play a central role in your daily affairs. You must ask. Don't leave your 12th man on the sidelines. Ask him to join in today. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, before we pray, let me just, uh, we're going to receive, we're going to just let you go by the uh, bucket back there on the table. Let me put those scriptures up. Do you have those scriptures? I wanted to read this. From First uh, John three sixteen through eighteen. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods, canned goods, <laughs> and sees his brother in need, and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? 
My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Amen. Amen. So, the the little uh, little pot, little bean pots back there that you can put your offering in. I'm just going to do it like that. I'm not going to let y'all. I'm not going to let y'all take it up from y'all. I mean, I'm going to let that be you given to the food bank. There it is, Luling Food Bank. So. If you're given by check, make the check out to Lama or Luling Food Bank. It doesn't matter. Luling Food Bank, if you're going to give by check. If you're just going to give cash, drop it in there. Amen? And um, we're going to do it that way today. So when we dismiss here, let's, we're going to pray and then we're going to dismiss. If anybody needs prayer, listen, where's my, where's my altar ministry, people? Y'all can come on up now. There you go. Works good. Who's ever on uh, altar ministry today? Oh, man, Kim's on up. I'm going to come for prayer. I get her to lay hands on me all the time. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Amen. So let's pray. Oh, we need to pray now. Am I, am I turning red? <laughs> Thank you for always being there for me, Lord. Come into my life today and make your presence know. This is for everybody. Help me in my daily walk. And give me boldness and power to live every day in your will for my life. Thank you again for always being there for me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you need prayer, and I do, uh, come up here. <laughs> yeah, receive Jesus. And who, who's going to win today?